Squad Radio, the music you want. With your host, Dee Dan. Well, I, I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. What's up, party people? It's Keys Dan with RadioWhat.com, DJLittleRock.com, coming to you live and in living color from the Radio What studios. And this is my podcast, What Makes You Famous? It's an extension of the RadioWhat.com internet radio station that I've been running for quite some time. And if you need DJ services, where do I always send you? DJLittleRock.com. One more time! djlittlerock.com check availability and get a free price quote and maybe you can have me at your next event you know i like to party with the people are you not entertained <laughs> let me entertain you uh, you know i like doing the weddings and the parties and the karaoke jams yeah i have a lot of fun doing that stuff speaking of entertainment today on the program i have raven chain of sister kill cycle Who's Raven Chain of Sister Kill Cycle? Where you been? Where you been? They've been around for a long time, but you're going to find out more about them in the next few minutes. So stick around. This week's shows, I have one public show every Friday night. You can be almost assured that I will be at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas on a Friday night. Yeah. Video dance party, karaoke jam, full bar, kitchens open pool tables, pool tournament on Friday nights. So if you want to try to make some money on a Friday night, I encourage you to check out the Rab in Conway, Arkansas and get in the pool tournament. And then while you're waiting and while you're playing pool, you can uh, take some time out and sing on stage on the other side of the room at the Rab in Conway, Arkansas. Yeah, you're the stars of the show. We put on a little concert every Friday night starring you. Yes, you. <laughs> That's the Rab in Conway, Arkansas, 8 p.m. until 1230 in the AM, Friday night. All right, let's get into it with Raven Chain of Sister Kill Cycle. I got him on the Skype. Let's uh, Skype Raven Chain now. Raven Chain, Sister Kill Cycle. Man, good to have you on the program. First of all, you guys rock, man. <laughs> you, I appreciate it, man. Oh, I know you hear, hear that all the time. But uh, for the people that don't know on the What Makes You Famous podcast, who are you? What Give the people an idea of who Raven Chain of Sister Kill Cycle is. Uh, I would have to say just some average kid from the block, you know, just uh, fell in love with rock and roll at an early age, and I've been working my ass off ever since. Uh, started out touring when I was 15 years old in old Ford Econoline, learning all the punk circuits, and just evolved from there. Um, obviously, uh, I started out as a guitar player. I didn't ever want to be a singer because I hate my voice. Uh, but we could never find anybody cool enough to come sing for the band. They either sang well and looked like crap with no image, or they looked cool and couldn't sing. So I was like, if they're not going to be able to sing, I might as well just do it myself. Well, Raven Chain, man, a lot of people, uh, you know, creators such as yourself, they, they come up with an idea, come up with a, a concept of what they want their creation to be. 
And there's nobody that's going to appreciate your vision like you. You know, I've tried to hire other people to do the jobs, the various jobs that I can't do. Maybe maybe I get double booked, you know, and I say, well, let me hire out another DJ to go do this job. But they're not going to care about that client the way that I do or the way that I feel that I do. So I think in that respect, man, you you have to take the reins in this. And you say you've been doing it since you were 15. You still seem like a young man to me, uh, you know, but uh, from what I'm looking on your YouTube page, at least 11 years of content, of quality rock and roll has been coming out of your mouth, the front of your face, man, and, and out to the people. But uh, well, how long ago did the Sister Kill cycle uh, start? And and I know you've been in rock bands before that. There was another thing called the, the London Hell, but we can get all get to all that. Uh, tell the people about, about how you started with the Sister Kill cycle. Um, Sister Kill cycle actually started in 2001. So uh, we uh, started up in West Virginia where I was living at the time, which is, that's a story in itself, living in the backwoods of the hollers and stuff like that. It's a, uh, makes a man out of you <laughs> well tell me about that because I, I i'm from the everglades you know I, I was born in and raised in south florida the, the you know the florida keys but 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 mostly fort lauderdale miami uh, but I, I spent a lot of time in the everglades but tell me about virginia and the backwoods a lot of gunplay we'll see you you can't say virginia because people from west virginia would take great offense to that because they're not virginia at all my faux par <laughs> you know i figured way back yeah. when the the people uh, of the west side of virginia went uh uh wh- wh- what what are you guys called over there virginia uh, uh, i guess we'll be west virginia whatever no what what is the difference man if you re- if you know any of that history what is the difference and the, how did it become west virginia well the difference is the west virginia was part of the south and virginia was part of the union so uh that's the big difference there but uh it's it's completely different as far as like lifestyles and things like that. West Virginia is more uh, what you would see in the movies, the moonshiners and the old, uh, you know, uh, dare I say it, the uh, goat herders and uh, things of that nature. So when you go down a dark road in the woods in West Virginia, it's a uh, serious business. How does that shape a young Raven Chain's fragile little mind? He wasn't always Raven Chain. He he was a, a sweet little boy, I'm guessing. Uh, I, I, yeah, I guess you could say that. I'll let you say that. But uh, what, what would your mom and dad say? My mom and dad, unfortunately, had to put up with me, like, starting this at a very, very young age. I think... Uh, I think it was around 11 or 12 years old. I started going to thrift stores and finding the freakiest ox blood leather boots that women used to wear in the seventies. And uh, if I could find a pair of leather pants, I was wearing those. If not, I was wearing like, you know, the eighties parachute pants from, from the, the, the break dancing era. Um, Did you get and- my old pants? <laughs> <laughs> I'm class of 86, man. I wore those pants. <laughs> Thanks for finding those. I will tell you, desperation is the mother and creator of invention. So even if they were too big, safety pins on the inside. Yeah, I was, I was ridiculous. I was a mess. But uh, you know, it was all I, I. I knew what I wanted my image to be even back then. Um, so I just found ways to do it. You know, especially being you know a poor kid growing up. 
uh, the way we did. Pretty much my my old man was an alcoholic, so he was in and out of the house a lot growing up. So it was pretty much uh, uh, my brother and I being latchkey kids. And uh, my mom, you know, she worked, she took care of the bills and stuff like that. But uh, along with that, we, we moved so many times from up north down back down here uh, from Florida. I was born in Daytona Beach. Oh, okay. So, uh, but uh, a long, crazy story. I mean, I've lived in Ohio. I've lived in Pittsburgh. I've lived in 15, 20 different places in West Virginia, 20 different places in Florida. So I was one of those kids that, uh, you know, every other year I was in a different school. So. You know, my brother and I were pretty much our only friends. We didn't have friends. Yeah, it's kind of hard to make friends, man. So, but the moving around was that you know, dad just trying to find uh, his way and get away from get away from the alcohol, I guess. <clears throat> well, I mean, we've probably been that way ever since, even before the alcoholism started. Uh, you know, we're a military family, so you know, we, we had to travel back then when I was a kid. But even after that, um, it was pretty much us moving to run from him. Mm. So, okay, all right. So, so mom and dad split up for a little bit, maybe separated. Yeah, on and off their their whole lives. So you know, dad. That's what I'm saying. Dad was not in the house a lot. Yeah, that affects a child a, a bit. I, you know, I am the way I am because, you know, my mom's been married a few times, <laughs> you know, and, and, and a few different people have, have shaped my life. So I'm sure that that shapes your life as well. But musically, what, what, I, how, how at 11 years old do you know that you want to be, well, is it music or theatrics that came into the, into the, 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 the vision of Raven Chain first, you know? Well, Music was always there. Um, I come from a uh, Southern Baptist family who was all in the gospel. Uh, my cousins, aunts, uncles, everybody was in music, uh, you know, gospel and bluegrass kind of stuff. But it was ingrained in me from as far as I can remember. Um, I, I think what really did it to me is uh, when MTV, and I'm going to date myself here, but when MTV first premiered, and they had two. They played two videos. One of them is "99 Love Balloons," and the other was Alice Cooper "18." When I saw that video, that sealed the lid on my coffin, and I was, that was it. I was like, "That's the guy I want to be. I want to do something just like that." Oh and yeah. Of course, you know, from from discovering Alice Cooper, it opened the door to all the, the greats before MTV. You know, Bowie and the Doors and Jimi Hendrix and and the Who and, and you know all the the cool eclectic bands and you know as far back as like uh, Coltrane and all the blues guys uh, you know that whole Delta Mississippi thing you know hoboing around playing venues so it was like I, I guess I was just infected from then on. Man, you are speaking my language. Huh? Like I said, I'm class of '86. I don't know how old a man you are. You may not want to divulge. Before I was 50, I thought there was a shelf life on the entertainment business, and I went, I don't know if I want to say my age. But then when I turned 50, I screamed it from the rooftops, man. I'm 50. I don't care anymore, you know. And then once you, you know, once you, 
Look what yeah. I have survived. Yeah, once you get to a certain age, you just, hey, man, I, I, you're doing the job. You're entertaining the people. You're getting the, away from their, their drab, humdrum lives, nine to fives, and they come out to see a Sister Kill show. They're going to get a show, man, and you're emulating yourself after Alice Cooper of other, uh, amongst other things, and my second favorite rock group, uh, David Bowie, you know, and his people. The, Queen's my favorite. Queen's always been my favorite yeah, since I was a little, little kid back in the 70s i i got uh, 13 of their uh, albums uh back when i was back then and it, it was over for me uh, you know because it's all kinds of different music but the theatrics of it man you, that that brings not just the audio but the visual and you're an mtv kid you remember when mtv played music videos i play music videos every time i do a show it's a video dance party and i do man I, i'm gonna put some sister kill cycle videos up there and people are gonna go huh who's that and i'm gonna go sister kill cycle you better look them up you better recognize you know i i love it man i love the theatrics of it yeah and this is cultivated from an early age going to thrift shops uh, you're you're the you're the guy pulling out those weird boots and those weird pants that may or may not fit you dude what are the other kids in West by God, Virginia, thinking about Mr. Chain running around in these clothes. Well, let's just say that's uh, that's how I learned how to fight. <laughs> um, it was uh, it was pretty crazy because uh, you know my my little brother Jimmy uh, he was he was actually following in my footsteps. You know, by this time we were both growing our hair long, but he he just grew the long hair he didn't do like the freaky stuff like i did but uh i mean dude let me tell you i, I rode a skateboard back then i did you know all the crazy kid stuff and uh you know we were too poor to afford a car at 16 so uh uh you know i, I rode a skateboard at school and uh i got really good skate on speed skating too uh you know all these uh dare i say good old country boys they uh they, it was a chase home almost almost daily and, and you know getting cornered getting your ass kicked so what i learned the uh the cruelties of the world very firsthand well riding them skateboards on those back hills those back country hills you know it's hard to ride on dirt man yeehaw there, there ain't no uh there ain't no real roads it's all picking and uh gravel you know you know i, I find myself in arkansas right now and you know i i like it you know it, it's different from from south florida from miami I, I did a lot of jobs up in delta and delray beach as well man i i do miss uh, you know those uh, those days and, and those times. I I miss the, the ocean. Where where do you find yourself now? Um, I'm actually uh, right outside of Tampa on the very west coast of Florida. So we're right on the ocean. We're about an hour north of Clearwater. You know, spring break capital of the world now. Uh, jealous, jealous. I'm from the Florida Keys, which is where Keys Dan comes from, and I, I, I love that ocean, man. But now, but now my life is green. But uh, you spent a lot of time moving around. Dad, Dad was a what? What branch of the service was uh, Dad or Mom in? Uh, Army. Army. Yeah. And that was yeah. your dad. That was my dad. Yeah. What kind of job did he do in there? You were- um, <laughs> yeah, he was a uh, forward observer. Forward observer. Point man. I, I don't know what that means. Uh, basically, they're the guys that go out and uh, they, they go closest to the enemy and then send back coordinates for strikes. 
you're kind of putting your toes out looking for landmines uh you know oh yeah that sounds like yeah. a dangerous dangerous dirty job yeah that that would put the bottle to my face uh maybe maybe there's a little stress involved uh, yeah. have, have you come to grips with that maybe that's the the the, the reason I, well yeah i mean and we are uh we're, we're finally in my family uh getting to the point that uh maybe we're looking at taking out a loan for our therapy bills because um music for me uh has been pretty much my therapy for my life but uh you know there there is a point where uh you can try to hold that stuff in all you want but uh you know <laughs> we uh we definitely uh, uh, you know now talking as a family we're like yeah that could be the cause of a lot of our misfortune yeah time and time again i find uh, that people uh in the music industry music is therapy man music can save lives i was talking to a, a gentleman uh i don't know a couple days ago uh, he says oh your song uh it touched me i was about to end my life but look this is the suicide note and he rips it up in front of him and and, and wow the, you, the song that you sang and it's a metal song you could have been just listening to the hard guitars and the drums bah, 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 you know but he listened to the lyrics and he went oh that touched me man that's a that's something that's powerful that's something that you raven chain uh, as a songwriter in sister kill cycle now mom's trying to keep it all together man what's what's your mom doing uh holding the holding you and your brother and the family together uh she's basically worked uh you know six days a week uh she had a cleaning service so uh, she would go clean offices and people's homes and, and everything like that and uh, like I said, it pretty much, you know, my brother and I would get each, get each, get each other ready and, and go walk to school together and then go to school and then, you know, uh, come home and then we'd, you know, sit down with a bowl of cereal together and watch cartoons, you know, afternoon cartoons. Um, so we got old enough to quit school and then we were both fucking out. Well, I didn't know if we could swear. Apologize. It's your podcast. You do what you want. It, no, prop, props to your mom for working so hard. Hey, the cleaning business, It's at least it's something that you can take with you from place to place. Uh, hey, look, and you put up a little flyer. Uh, I can I clean your house for X amount of dollars, but it's not an easy job, man. And it's not an easy job raising kids. I keep my, uh, uh, you know, I worked like several jobs to keep my wife at home to take care of the kid and man i wouldn't trade jobs i i wouldn't say look honey i'll stay home and then you go out and and uh work a few jobs no 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 her job harder than anybody else but not only is she raising two boys my my mom raised two boys as, as well uh, were you the older or the younger what, my brother yeah older or younger he's younger He's the younger, so you're, you're taking him under your wing, and what's he what's he thinking about all, all your uh, fancy clothing? Did, did he get into it as well, trying to emulate his older brother? No, I mean not like that. We both we both got into metal music, but he kind of was more into just the normal, you know, uh, Metallica t-shirts and blue jeans, and uh, you know, he always wanted the white sneakers, but he had you know hair down to his ass, so. <laughs> Um, we, I guess we were both like metalhead kids, but yeah, I was, I was the only one that was the freak of the week. I mean, my mom would just, you know, look at me and shake her head, but she, she never told me no. She was like, 
you know, always supportive. Uh, you know, my mom used to fly in uh, down here when we had some shows and she would just come and, you know, I would, it, it was, it was an honor because I got to do, you know, as we started getting bigger as a band, uh, got to give her like the VIP experience and all that. So, you know, it was, uh, it was really, it was really cool. You know, that's the one thing about my mom. She's always been really supportive of like, uh, you know, my art. Man, your shows are huge. Uh, you know, for people that haven't been to a sister kill cycle show, it's not uh, your typical band in the, you know, in the corner playing a little music, maybe a couple of lights here and there. You're theatrics, man. You're everybody in the, in, in the band is made up. It's gotta be hours and hours in the, in the uh, makeup chair or, or, or you guys, you know, at, at your respective uh, dwellings doing your makeup and then heading off to the show. Uh, and then people are looking at you in your cars going, huh, look at that. There's some kind of freak over there, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, it's gotta be fun to, to, to dress up and get out to a show people. All right. I, I don't put the makeup on, but, Whenever I do a wedding, you know, a DJ, uh, I'll, I'll wear a bow tie. I'll put the the outfit on. It's a uniform. It, it adds to the to the experience. It's you know, shorts and a t shirt and playing playing some music. You're giving the people something extra. How long does it take to to get prepared for something like that? Um, I think the most part is the uh, the technical like live uh, show part uh, typically when we do a show um, we will load up um, if it's a local show anyway it, it, it doesn't matter because we still do smaller shows the same way we cram everything we can on that stage but uh, we usually end up getting there early in the afternoon <clears throat> and uh, then you know probably two two to three hours to do all the stage setup with the lighting and everything like that it's got you know every all the cables got to be ran uh, lights got to be set up and then rehearsal uh, sound check and then uh, actually putting the makeup and the costume on you know I've gotten really good at it over the years so <clears throat> probably takes about 15 20 minutes yeah uh, you know it, it, I'm guessing at this point you got some roadies that are helping you set up because I, I, I know what you're saying about even if it's a small uh, venue you, you cram a lot in there I I don't know how to do a small show. I'll bring all the lights. I'll bring all the microphones. I'll bring the, the TV screens to put music videos up. You know, I, have, I make sure at least I have one more times. I have two and then sometimes even three screens just to, to give that visual flavor. You know, so when I'm, when I'm playing a sister kill cycle, they're not just hearing the music. They're, oh, look at those guys. I want to know more. I want to know more. You know, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm an MTV guy myself. I remember Video Killed the, the Radio Star. I don't know if I remember it firsthand. 1981, I think I was in, I don't know, middle school, maybe. Maybe sixth grade. Uh, but I do remember MTV being huge. But all right, I do want to go back to the to the hair. For the people that are listening to, to the uh, audio version of this, checking out the, the video version, uh, check out the video version on, on the YouTube for sure. But you say your brother was growing his hair long and then you were doing freaky stuff. What's freaky stuff back then? Uh, probably long hair. And I always kept one side shaved like the skaters. And then, of course, uh, I had to go a step up from that. And uh, I, w I threw, you know, 
some dreadlocks in and then dreadlocks weren't enough. So I started attaching crap to them. And we, you know, we used to wear these long ass dangly earrings. And, uh, uh, then I put like razor blades in my dreads. And so, uh, I still look like that in high school, by the way. Uh, some people probably have some photos out there somewhere if uh, you want to find them. But, uh, yeah, I was, uh, was definitely a strange looking, you know, 15 year old sitting in class with his head down, you know, couldn't wait to get out of school. Couldn't wait till the day I turned 16. Yeah. I, I, I imagine, and I, I find it more often than not, the people that, uh, whatever you liked in high school, you probably will still like it now. Um, your, your situation was kind of similar to my situation. I was the older brother. I had a younger brother. I, I kept my hair long, uh, you know, past my shoulders quite a bit, but I didn't do the freaky stuff. My brother took a Bowie knife and shaved the sides of his head and uh, made himself a little mohawk. He was playing football, so they called him Rambo in school. But, uh, man... Uh, you know, how did you you get your hair shaved on the sides? Did you use a, a, a razor? Did you you have a barber say uh, just a little off the sides? Uh, no, of course, you know, scissors and then a big razor. <laughs> He's just a skater boy. <laughs> he said, <laughs> see you later. All right, but uh, besides Alice Cooper and David Bowie and, and all these other, when you had the Delta influences, the, the music from the country in West by God, Virginia. And I'm going to keep saying it like that since I uh, messed it up earlier in the day in, in the podcast. Yeah. But, uh, you know, what West, West Virginia to, to where, and what what kind of flavors did you pick up in all the places that you lived? Um, well, I mean, Florida back in that day, um, you know, some of the places like maybe Miami, uh, maybe Fort Lauderdale were like kind of like more hip to to an urban setting. But uh, believe it or not, Tampa and uh, and uh, Ocala, where I grew up, that was very very still country. It was. We just like Southern West Virginians <laughs> down here in Florida. So you still had the, the, those same influences. Um, but uh, I, I do remember uh, we were, I can't remember how old we were. We were still pretty young, uh, but we moved into a trailer park in Tampa. And, uh, you know, I remember my brother and I, one day we went out twirling around, you know, just exploring and uh, we came to the storage facility, you know, like you store places. And we heard like this music. I'm like, what the hell? What's going on? So, of course, you know, we, we roll over there. And uh, lo and behold, there's a band in there in a storage facility. And I think this is like the innovators of this because, you know, everybody started like renting out storage places for a place to rehearse, you know, instead of their mom's basement or wherever. Uh, and it happened to be the band uh, Death, Chuck Shoulder out of Tampa, Florida. And I was like, I didn't know who they were at the time, obviously. But I remember distinctly they had, you know, a black backdrop in there with the classic Death with the Scythe logo. And, uh, then later, as I discovered who they were, I was like, I, I felt that was like kind of a cool, you know, story and experience that here they are, this the world's greatest death metal band. And here they are in this little 10 by 
15, 10 by 20 storage facility in Florida. That's just letting you know that everybody starts somewhere, man. And there might be a little Raven chain just walking by trying to get some inspiration and just going, huh, what's going on in there? How is that going to shape my fragile little mind? And there you go, man. Death could have been, you know, one of the one of the foundations, one of the little stepping stones that make you who you are right now. That's fantastic. How 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 they sound like crap or what? <laughs> yeah, from what I remember, they were they sounded really great. Actually, uh, they weren't uh, they weren't totally the screaming that you that you hear on the album. I mean, they was. Uh, it was, it was really cool. I remember they just sounded like a really good tight band. All right. Well, you started off as a guitar player, as you mentioned earlier. Who picked up that guitar for you? Uh, and when was that? It was, it was actually my little brother. I kind of I kind of stole it from him. I just took it over. Um, neither one of us could play. Uh, we have, I guess, what you call a natural talent because we've never had you know lessons or anything like that. So we just... We, he would bang around on it, but he got bored of it. So I, I picked it up. I couldn't play. I didn't know how to play chords or notes or anything like that. But I started out uh, mimicking the sounds Jimi Hendrix made, you know, all the feedback and the, the whammy dives and everything like that. And, of course, this would go on for hours and hours and hours. It wasn't just, you know, half an hour practice time and then it's over. I mean, my mom would like have to put up with ungodly noise and then the neighbors because I'd go out on the porch and, you know, but I didn't care. It, it sounded like ass, but you know, I was doing my thing. And how, you know, how old were you and what kind of a guitar was this? If you remember, it was uh, 11 years old and it was a, a court C O R T with a little yellow gorilla amp. Never heard of it. Probably, what was it, like a cheaper guitar? How, how did your brother end up with that thing? Um, he ended up, uh, he because after we saw that band, you know, he wanted to get into music, and uh, I, my mom got it for him for a Christmas present, so. And what did you end up with on Christmas that, that year, if you remember? Uh, I think I got uh, an HO scale train set. Okay, that's a good prize. <laughs> did, uh, did he take I, over the train set? Yeah, I was I was big in the trains growing up. That was kind of like my father and I's like thing together. See, um, man, whatever brings you and the old man together, that's fantastic, man. I appreciate that. That's cool. I like trains too. I like little train sets, little model cars, you know, uh, things like that. Uh, are you still into any of that? Um, I, I I still love it. Uh, I don't have. I don't have the time to to do it, especially how I would like to do it because back then. Um, I had a whole room dedicated just, just to it. And my, my dad went, you know, after the military, military, he was construction. So had this big table set up and all the, you know, paper mache mountains and thousands of dollars spent in this crap. And, and that's, it's a weird thing. You know, there was a certain point in my life where my father in, in the seventies was, was a contractor. So we pretty much grew up really rich until it got bad and then we lost everything so i understand both spectrums i've lived both of of those ways of life i've had money and then i've had literally nothing and uh i would have to say i, I wouldn't have, i wouldn't say everybody to do it but having that perspective uh has actually kind of been a blessing to me because it is uh 
it's allowed me to be very humble. Yeah, that's perspective, Raven Chain, man. That's uh, the, the, the guy that gets handed $10,000 and then the guy that works for that $10,000, they both got $10,000, but who do you think has the more, you know, experience, more life uh, presence, uh, you know, more, m- you know, it, it appreciates that $10,000 more. It's, I, I think it's the guy that earned it that, that worked for it. Yeah, definitely. The guy that earned it's going to make it last. And the guy that just got handed to it, it's going to, you know, piss it away. You got that right, man. I, I know, uh, well, years ago I got in a motorcycle wreck and I got a big giant settlement for it. And, uh, that, that went away real quick because I was handed that money. It, it, you know, yeah, I guess I worked for it by getting in a motorcycle wreck, but you know, I, it was still found money and, and, and I didn't appreciate it the way I should have. But yeah, I, I, I work for every dollar I, I make, man. But you're, we were talking about hobbies a little bit. You know, when people, when they work their, their man it could be stressful uh you know one of the hobbies could be to go see a live band but you are the live band so that is your nine to five what is it that you do to wind down do you pick up the guitar and just keep playing or you know i was kind of thinking maybe you were still in the into the trains but what does a, a raven chain do after a sister kill cycle show to wind down there's a myriad of things that uh, that I've got a really active mind. It never stops. So I have to constantly be doing something. There's never really any wind down for me. Um, so there's a million things that uh, I, I dive into just to keep myself busy and not think the uh, bad thoughts. Um, believe it or not, I love to, I love to go fishing. I mean, get a pole and go out to the ocean, even surf, you know, surf casting is cool. I've, you know, sat at, you know, dusk watching the sun go down, you know, catching sea cat and some sharks, dogfish, you know, that's really cool. Uh, Believe it or not, I build guns, I build AR-15s. I've got a plethora of guns. (laughs) I guess that's the mountain man in me, so... Um, it's just it, fascinating, interesting. I mean, you know, just the, the fact that you could take uh, pieces of metal and uh, create something so intricate that, you know, basically it's destroying itself every time you pull the trigger, but it doesn't. So, yeah, there's there, no believe uh, it or not. I believe it wholeheartedly. You're hanging out next to the beach. Uh, yeah, I, 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 next to the ocean, I suspect you're going to do a little fishing, have some sun and surf. I mean, you don't look like like a very tan man, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, that adds to your theatrical. But the, the building guns, man, when did that come about? Is this something that you can get, you know, like a, a, a kit, a, a, a mold? Do you pour your own metal or, or are you getting pieces? Tell me about that. I mean... There's actually there's several different ways. I mean, they have uh, they have they do have kits what they call an eighty percent lower. And for people out there that don't know, the the lower part where the handle and the trigger is on an AR-15 is actually what's registered as a gun. Um, so without getting too political here, because I know I'm going to have some people say, "What do you mean you can build your own gun at home?" Listen. Before all these fancy, crazy laws came about, we as human beings, we were born and we have a right to protect ourselves and our family. Um, no one 
size, whatever, doesn't matter. You have a right to protect yourself. So, yes, we were able to craft our own weapons, believe it or not, to protect ourselves, and it wasn't against the law. So, yes, there's a, an 80% lower. Uh, basically, you finish it out. You have to drill it out. You have to know what you're doing. You can't just you know half-ass this. Uh, but that's, that's, quote, what they call a ghost gun because it's not serialized. No. Uh, however, the ones that I build... Uh, just because of legal purposes, I, you you can buy a lower, which is you know as I said the gun it's serialized. So when you buy that, there is there's a registration of that lower already. We don't need more registration because it's already registered when you buy it. Um, and then of course all the other parts of the gun you can buy just off the internet. You can buy barrels. You can buy hand guards. And there's there's a thousand different ways you can build an AR-15. It's it's kind of like a, an erector set, um, which is why I think the AR is my favorite gun, uh, just because it, it's it's so diverse and and you can actually you know you can make one with a very short barrel, a 10.5 inch barrel, you know, for close quarters and vehicles and stuff like that, or you can make a marksman, uh, you know, rifle, uh, 20 inch or 22 inch barrel and really take the five five six rounds uh to its limits you know that is a skill to be had man yeah you're building a a weapon of destruction a weapon of protection you know you, you get get on whatever side of the fence you want but it, it's a skill that you have with your hands that you could build these these uh weapons um I, from what i understand bullets have gone up double uh you know they're ridiculous in price Triple, triple triple i mean yeah. uh, you can go broke uh trying to shoot your your ar-15 do you uh, my, my wife's all right i don't have a gun my wife has a gun her dad's a cop or was a cop and gave her gave her his old 38 i have no idea where it's at and i don't think she shot it in the longest time man so uh you know for for all intents and purposes we have a gun that's put up somewhere that nobody knows how to shoot uh, you know yeah i know the bullets come out from this end so make sure you're standing on the other side when when you pull that uh, squeeze that trigger yeah i i, I get it but uh, we haven't practiced. Uh, do you get to go out to the range, or or do you have a range set up back there somewhere? Uh, yeah, actually, down here, I've my property. I have several properties that uh, you know we shoot on down here. But you know, since uh, since COVID hit, and you know, all the prices skyrocketed, uh, it, it's yeah, it's it's very rare to go out and actually shoot and enjoy it anymore because just. The price has gone up so high. It's uh, you know, if you break into my house now, you're more likely to be bludgeoned with an AR-15 than shot. <laughs> I'm not wasting these bullets. They're expensive. <laughs> that's the that's the next skill to learn is is reloading uh, bullets. I guess you have to pull up your casing. No, that he 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 waved me off on that one. <laughs> no, I had that. My brother, my brother does that. So it's still expensive. You, you know. Those are the ones we go to the range and actually shoot for fun and then reload them. But, you know, even every aspect, the powder, the primers, everything went up astronomically. It's it literally you'd be better off buying a Corvette. Dang. Well, you stole your brother's guitar. You know, now he has nothing to play. Uh, what did he end up doing uh, besides? Oh, I guess he loads bullets now. No. What did he end up doing with his life? No, actually, uh, actually, he's uh, in a uh, he's got a band himself. uh uh, sins of the fathers 
they're still he still lives in West Virginia and uh, they're a really great band. Um, we've done work together in the past. Uh, obviously, my brother's been in my band several times over the years uh, covering spots. So uh, we've worked together. You know, I, I think he's been in bands ever since us pretty pretty much shortly after I started being in a band. And of course, you know, as kids, anytime somebody would drop out of the band, Jimmy, you got to come in, you cover. So that's the dream, man, to be able to work with my brother. I, I, I think I worked with him at a Publix. Uh, he was a, a bag boy and I was a, 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 a cashier and we worked together way back when. But that's the only time I, I got to work with my my little brother. A Publix is a grocery store for people in the rest of the, the country and the world. But OK, but, uh, you know, but you get to work with your brother. What, what did he end up? Did he I guess he got another guitar or what, what was he play now with Incense of the Father? Actually, play, he's he's bass and uh, he, he became a phenomenal bass player. I mean, we're talking like he plays mostly hard rock, like his band is is hard rock metal. Uh, but, dude, I mean, he, he can play all that Les Claypool's, you know, Bootsy Collins, all those all those. Yeah, dude, he's he's fantastic bass player. He really, really put his nose to the grind and, and you know, mastered the instrument. Have you guys been on the same bill before in a show, in a festival? Uh, yeah, uh, a couple times, actually. Um, and, of course, you know, this industry, you know how it is. Uh, we're both brothers. I, I think we're equally talented, you know. But for some reason, I'm always in my record deal. Um, so anytime I would play, you know, anywhere near him, of course, I put my brother's band on the bill. So, man, that's fantastic that you have that, that you have. Well, not only you have a, a great best friend in your in, in your brother, but you also have a, a, a bandmate if you need uh, or somebody you could bounce a few ideas. Now, uh, Sins of the Father, is that his creation or yeah, that's, yeah, that's his that's his baby that he's been working on for probably about the last six six or eight years. Super duper, man. That's that's in the blood. It's in there, uh, you know. And and uh, yeah, mom, mom and dad were working hard, but uh, they created some uh, some kids with some some talent uh, to uh, to uh, uh, entertain the people, get them away from their woes. Raven Chain, man. All right. I, uh, the the look that you've cultivated, uh, I'd be remiss if I if I didn't say, I went to Western High School uh, from I think it was eighty two to eighty six, and from what I understand, at Western High School in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, there was a young man named Brian Warner. I never knew him. He sat in the corner, uh, as far as I know. The people that I know that know him, he I I, I don't know. Do you know who Brian Warner is? I would have to. Uh, I, I would. Oh, yeah, of course. I know who he is. Um, I've, met, I've met him a couple of times, and uh, it, you know, obviously, it's it's funny and ironic. Uh, I've actually, you know, made jokes that uh, you know, my mom gets our baby pictures mixed up because we look so much alike. And I've actually tried to trick her. I was like, Mom, where where was this taken? She's like, I don't remember that picture. And, uh, you know, so it, it, it it's kind of like a double-edged knife, you know, right to my throat because 
the fact that we look so much alike and we play similar music, definitely not the same. If anybody would listen to the, to the music, they would be like, okay, it's completely different. We're more goth, like typo negative. But uh, anyways, uh, some people it, it's, it attracted to us to find out who we are because of that. But then you also have that other side, like they won't even go past the image and they're just like, Oh, this is a Marilyn Manson ripoff band. And, uh, so we get that a lot, obviously over the years, I don't know. I couldn't tell you how many times I've been mistaken for Marilyn Manson or I don't know, maybe he has been mistaken for me because uh, anybody in West Virginia will tell you that uh, Raven Chain definitely came out before Marilyn Manson. Yeah, you you've met him. Did did you have good interactions with him? Because you could develop this uh this thing that like Wolf Arrow and uh, I can't remember the drummer of the Chili Peppers. Yeah. What? Chad Smith. Chad, Chad Smith, man, what a great uh, it, look. They look alike. They owned it, and it became a, a part of the show. Man, I could see you guys kind of interchanging i mean but i don't know if you if you'd be up to it but when you met up with him did did, did was it a good interaction or it was, was it was uh you know the first time it was just a very quick uh they were playing my band was actually on tour way back in the day and they were playing at the milk bar in jacksonville um so it was uh it was a very quick hey how you doing blah 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 crossing paths he's doing his thing um and then the second time uh, it was, uh, he had an art show down here in, uh, Cape Coral, uh, you know, Fort Myers, Florida. Um, and we, we talked briefly, but of course that was an event and there was probably 2000 to 3000 people, you know, trying to get in this art gallery. And it was, you know, it was a miss then too. So we've never really got to sit down in a room and like talk, talk, which, uh, you know, a lot of people said, I would pay to see that dude. Just the two of you sit down is like, even because a lot of everybody's like, your voices even sound the same when you're talking and it's just crazy. And, you know, he's from Ohio and I'm from Florida, but I lived in West Virginia and Ohio at the same time. Like we lived in Dayton and uh, then he moved to Florida from Dayton. So, you know, his dad was a little frisky. <laughs> No, man. And, and yes, I, that could become an event, man. But uh, yes, Sister Kill absolutely is not Marilyn Manson. It is a totally different show, man. Uh, you know, they both rock in their own respect. But you guys, you you have uh, something. And everybody has a doppelganger, from what I understand, in this world. It just happens to be that two of you became famous, you know? And, and you get to, you know, brush with your doppelganger from time to time but you know notwithstanding that i was just i, I knew there had to be something in there and, and it seems like uh you, okay you've had some brushes with them people have compared you people are going to compare you anyway no matter what you know if, uh, older folks are going to compare you to alice cooper and david bowie and the younger folks you know of a certain age are going to compare you to to uh marilyn manson you know and other uh, uh, and what um any any other um as you as you progress and um uh, and before before covid uh what kind of uh events were you playing back then and it was at all festivals and you said you played bars and festivals what are you open to playing now uh we're still we're looking at 
Um, a lot of things are going on. We just, we just signed a new management deal with uh, uh, Derek Pichong with 434 Management. <clears throat> and we're working uh, with Paul Crosby from Saliva. Um, we, we're signing to his label. For, he is a record label. Um, those two guys have been like outstanding with us. Uh, I consider them like family now. They're so amazing. And, uh, you know, Paul really just came out of nowhere and uh, really started pushing for us. Um, but uh, we just, uh, you know, before COVID, we had, I think it was like a 26 or 27 day tour. And it lit, I mean, we were going to continue with the tour regardless. When, when, when this first started coming out, we were like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to go out, we're going to deliver it to our fans. We're going to continue this tour. And then probably two to three weeks before the first date, it started going cancel, 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 cancel. So uh, we ended up as a band losing probably about $15,000 in uh, promotion and, and all that stuff. That It's just non-recoverable. It's gone. So financially, we took a hit. And then obviously, you know, uh, musically, we took a hit because we had just released a new record. Uh, we had to sit on that. I mean, we, we've done some pushing on the internet with it. Um, but we are coming out uh, probably August, and there's a possibility of a tour that a larger name was on that they decided to pull off, so we might be covering for that. Um, so it's looking like about maybe 15, 20 dates. Um, we are also going to do our own run, probably mostly uh, clubs, club venues, you know, uh, 250 to 500 capacity venues. So we want to take it back to like the, the bars where, where we're from and, uh, you know, do it that way. And then in 2022, right around the corner, um, Pigweed and us are going to build a co-headlining tour. Uh, we're going to put a whole package together with two really freaking awesome supporting acts and we're going to do probably a month long tour solid month out of that and uh you know like uh, i've been vowing uh we're going to tour six months out of 2022 so half the half the year we're going to be back on the road we're going to bring the show to as many places you know even the small holes in the wall we're going to get out there and we're going to saturate again because I think what COVID really showed us is that entertainment is what keeps humanity together and in one form or another, whether it be your music uh, concerts or sporting events or something like that. And I think that's why it really affected us uh, as people because we had no outlets. And, you know, not only that, the big fire is going to kill everybody. So, so there was a, a fear of that and a fear of other human beings. So uh, I think now that we've gone through it and we, you know, we pretty much came out the other side, I'm just going to be wide open. I mean, you're going to see more entertainment in 2022 than probably the past five years combined. Man, Raven Jane, you are uh, talking gospel. I remember last year, uh, everything <laughs> dried up for, for me personally. So I know for all, all the other creators that, and the entertainers that were out there, uh, they, they were going through their savings if they had any savings at all. 
And uh, me, I'm a dummy. I should, you know, I have a corporation. Uh, Keys Dan is a corporation. I should have applied for one of those PPE loans. And, you know, the government was uh, giving away money. I'm a dummy. I didn't do it. I just went through some of my savings. But uh, Derek Pinchon over at uh, 434, he, man, he speaks so highly of you. Fantastic. And he, and he's a... He works hard, man. Uh, he's making lots and lots of calls trying to get your your names out there. And funny, I I'd, uh, a couple of days ago, I spoke to Big D of Pigweed. What an amazing dude. And that's another band that's got a lot of theatrics to it as well uh, with the uh, the face mask that Big D uh, wears and he he gave a he he gave us the story of why he wears that mask. It it was a, a very touching, very compelling story. But uh, yeah. you know, they get, they yeah. get it. That's that's why that's why we're such good friends and why we want to work together because it, the music's different enough to link to each other. But we we both get the uh, you know the entertainment side of, of what we do, and honestly, it is it's a it, it's to give back to our fans um, is something of value. I mean, when you pay to come see a show, you, you deserve to, to be entertained, to have a breathtaking experience, you know, a, a moment in your life where you can go home and perhaps it'll make you dream. Perhaps it will uh, change your life and inspire you. Uh, what, you know, who knows, but you, you're going to get value for your money and not just see a couple of guys up on a stage, you know, playing music, which, I mean, there, I guess there's places for that too. You know, your local sports bar. Yeah. I'm jealous of the the people that get to go to your shows as you break out uh, the first few times with those, you know, smaller, uh, more intimate 500, you know, 250, 500 people. They're going to get to, to get that feeling straight from you off that stage. There is, it's, it's symbiotic, man. It's a, it's an exchange of energy. I fully believe that it sounds a little hoodly poodly here and there, but while you're up on stage and you're entertaining them, you're watching their faces, you watching them pump their fist in the air and nod their heads. And you're seeing all that. And that in turn gives you the ability to, to go further because, uh, you know, doing a 45 minute show, doing an hour show that takes a lot out of you. But if that, that, uh, that crowd is out there saying, we want more, we want more. It's going to give you the ability to do more. Well, I mean, how, how long is a, a sister kill cycle show? I I think, uh, the longest one I, I ever saw was Bruce Springsteen back in 84. He did uh, three hours and 45 minutes collapsed, uh, 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 Clarence Clemens, his, his saxophonist, took him off stage for about 15 minutes. He came out, did another 45 minutes. I'm like, what is this? I got to go to school tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we're, we're the, the, uh, the show we're running right now is right at an hour. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel that's enough to, uh, to satisfy, but yet also make people not, not. I don't care who you are in this day and age. This is the age of short attention spans. So any more than an hour, I feel like you, you risk, you know, losing what you said, that, that spark where you, where you get the entire crowd into it and uh, they want more. If you cut it off right then, I feel that's like that, that's leading that moment. That's the highest point they're going to feel. And, 
you know very respectable man and you're giving the people an idea of how much time they have to devote not yeah because they got to get babysitters they got to get uh, they got to get their lives in order before they come out to a show and and they're and you're respectful of their time as well uh, you, you know because you know that they spent their hard-earned money to come out to see sister kill cycle but they got other things to do, man. They got lives to get back to, kids and jobs and what have you. And that's why I, I try to keep these uh, podcasts down to about an hour. I've done some that are like three hours and 45 minutes, and I went, ah, that's kind of long, man. <laughs> and sometimes it, it's easy to, to span that gap, that time, because you'll get on subjects or you'll have. <laughs> of course. Let me call, let me call him back. All right. It's easy to span that time because you get on subjects. Yeah, yeah. And you will you'll find, you know, the host and the and the guest hit it off and uh you know, it just time before you know it, time has flown by, you're two hours in an interview and uh I mean, but I, I agree with you. I think uh I think right at that hour mark is is about the right time for, for pretty much anything. Pretty much anything, man. Well, uh, before we we get out, let's get into your personal life a little bit. Uh, About uh, maybe a year, year and a half ago, something happened in your life, man. Did did you uh, did did something happen? I I was noticing on your Facebook page uh, a a big change in your life. You have somebody that's a that's a partner, backing you up, man, for life. Yeah, um, I got uh, I got married for the second time second time um but uh this this time uh i i I think this one's gonna stick um she's uh she's pretty much my world and uh she supports me in ways and i think you know fixes me brings like the good parts to to me and she's a really good teacher she's patient um Believe it or not, guys, I found a girl who doesn't swear. Yeah, that's, I mean, I swear like a sailor. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of, you know, one of those things. And, uh, you know, my daughter always tells me, she's like, Dad, that's, uh, that's uh, you know, sexist. You know, that men can swear, but women shouldn't. I'm like, listen, your dad's old school, and that's the way it was. So I, I, I just respect that. Um, not that all you women out there that swear aren't sexy, so don't take it that way. Just I just happen to find one who doesn't swear. That's all. That's fantastic, man. It's good to have a partner that that uh, ba- puts you in base because uh, you know I, I get back from a show, uh, you know, four hours of you know entertaining people over at the the local club here in Conway, Arkansas, and and I oh man, you're so great. Oh, you're the best. I can't believe it. You're wonderful. Ah, oh, you're the best. And you come home. Hey, could you take out the garbage, honey? <laughs> yeah. They just ground you. They ground you, man. They make you make you into a whole person, a better person, I think. And that's fantastic, man. It's good that you have that. I would uh I would agree. She she definitely uh she keeps the crazy at bay for you know, I I'm I've been known to be kind of crazy, <laughs> I guess you could say. Um <laughs> and uh you know, I mean, it's really cool because, you know, she's, she is all that she is. She's my world. She's smart. She's beautiful. She's uh, crafty. You know, we, we were, you know, we remodeled our entire home together. Um, so it, that's, you know, projects that we can do together and, and they're just, 
it may, they're fun. I mean, it's, you know, she loves interior design and, uh, you know, she's, she's a doctor for her profession. So, you know, she comes home, she doesn't, she doesn't take care of me at all. She takes care of all of her patients, but you know, I, I get the slightest little sniffle and she's like, Oh, quit whining. You're fine. <laughs> you know, I haven't seen you smile much in this whole uh, podcast, but as soon as you start talking about your girls, it, it you lit up man you lit up and i'm glad you have that love in your life and and that that person that's going to back you up in all the crazy stuff that you do and uh do you, do, you, do you borrow some of her clothes sometimes nah that's just me being goofy <laughs> so she she's way too little um she does she actually do her makeup yeah does she help you dress i, I some sometimes oh no no we, we, uh, she's too much of a girl. And so, you know, she's got 20 outfits on the bed and I'm like, I'm already, you know, leather pants up and ready to go to see a movie. And I'm the, I'm the guy, just like the rest of the guys, I'm sitting outside smoking a cigarette. Three minutes later, okay. So I guess we're not going to dinner first. We'll just go to the movie. Maybe we'll eat something there. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you have a straight line thinking like men think you know heterosexual men most men i know i'm generalizing but we think in straight lines and women think in circles you know we think we're going to the movies bam we're going to the movies they think what do i wear uh, do i need my uh, this and do i need this purse and do i need what you know yeah it's always yeah it, it's been that way since i was a little kid man I, that's the way i've learned things you know, Raven makes it easy. It makes it easy because you know me being you know who I am. Obviously, I kind of uh, blur that line of heterosexuality, which you know I'm totally fine with. I've, I've never had any problems with uh, my sex. I mean, my sexuality. <laughs> so uh, you know, uh, I can understand where she's coming from because you know if I have to do something, I have to look good doing it. But come on, we're going to dinner. I mean, we're, we're the people, when we go to get on an airplane, I'm dragging 15 things of luggage behind me because she has to have 20 pairs of shoes <laughs> to well, go on vacation, to go on vacation. I, I'm a guy that listens to a lot of podcasts and I, I you know, some of them mention where they, uh, uh, they miss the days and I, I miss the days, uh, you know, you watch a 1940s or 50s film and. And all the guys are all dressed up. All the girls are all dressed up. They're going to, to dinner. Oh, man, let's put a hat on. And here you are. You, you know, you're on a podcast that people might be listening to the audio version of this. And they'll never know you got your hat on and you got your, your sunglasses on. And you're, you're rocked out, man. You look like a rock star that's given an interview. You, you look like a rock star. Period. Okay. You know. Yeah, and and I'm so glad to know you, man. This this could go on a whole lot more, but the aforementioned hour is just about right. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to trying to be mindful, and I know it's it's Saturday, and and you got stuff to do. You got some girls out there waiting for you. <laughs> that's a, that sets us up for an interview part two. You see, correct, man. And if any of the other guys in Sister Kill Cycle want to chit chat with me, open invitation. And of course. I don't want this to be the last time we talk. As things progress, as time progresses, you got other things to, to, to mention. It doesn't have to be an hour podcast. It could be a half hour podcast if you just want to promote a show that's coming up or a few shows. But uh, Raven Chain of Sister Kill Cycle, uh, this is your chance to give shout outs uh, to anybody that, that has helped you along the way. 
and then we'll uh, finish it up with last words for the people. Well, as always, I mean, shout out always to my fans. I mean, that is the number one thing that uh, keeps me going is the fact that I have such amazing people of all different walks of life, ages, um, that that take the time and, and actually befriend me uh, instead of just seeing me as an artist, which, I, you know, they respect that as well. But uh, my, my fans, dude, I, I, I love the people that uh, take the time to check me out, to follow me, to buy my merchandise and my listen to my music. Uh, and come to the shows. Uh, you you guys are everything to me. <clears throat> Thank you so much for that. Um, of course, my mother, um, she's still alive. And, uh, you know, my wife and my kids, that's a uh, shout out to them. And, uh, of course, Derek and Paul, dude, without them, uh, they've they've actually, uh, out, out of COVID, they, they've restoked the fire in me and they're giving me the opportunities to, uh, to recoup, uh, my place back on, on the stage. So. Excellent, man. Hey, uh, Raven chain. Now it's uh, time for the last words for the people. Uh, this could be words to live by something you heard a long time ago, uh, or maybe a mantra that you wake up with every morning or just whatever pops into your head at this moment in time, Raven chain, sister kill cycle, last words for the people. Last words for the people. Uh, it's something I tell everybody, uh, when we're having conversations, I've kind of been stuck on it lately. Uh, but I've always believed in it. And I think more people should, uh, should live this way. It is better to have memories than it is dreams. Don't put off doing what you want to do. Go do those things, make them happen, take risks. There, no one's getting out of this alive, as Jim Morrison said, and that's so true. Buy that Ferrari, you know, do it. Because it's better to die with memories than it is to die with dreams. There you have it, party people. Raven Chain of Sister Kill Cycle. Man, that's a cool dude. Man, that's a guy. He's a rock star. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Rock star. Wants to put on a show for you, man. The theatrics. The not just a great songs which they are they're great it's great music man it rocks it's it, you know the the guitars the drums the the vocals bam you, you're gonna get an experience in that in itself but the makeup the pyrotechnics the lights it's a whole happening when you go see a sister kill cycle show and raven chain is a big part of that i mean it's his his brainchild he didn't want to be the the front man he wanted to be in the in the back playing guitar making googly eyes at people no no he got pushed out front and uh yeah it's good to know you raven chain i'm glad that you were here on the what makes you famous podcast and give me a little chit chat give me a little idea of how you became who you are man you you've you've tasted a lot of the dirt in this united states of ours <laughs> And uh, you've gained a lot of flavor, a lot of knowledge uh, in in those uh, respects. And I'm glad that uh, that you are who you are, man. Uh, Raven Chain, thanks for being on the What Makes You Famous podcast. I appreciate it. I look forward to following you around on your various social medias, which are in the show notes and uh, all around. Ah, just I, I, I'm encouraged by people like you out in the world, man, uh, putting on putting on shows, getting people away from their 
everyday humdrum lives and uh, making them feel something. It's cool. It is. It's something you could do. It's a, it's a superpower. Yeah, I dare I say it, a superpower for sure. All right, if you would like to tell your story, yes, you, my loyal listener, I encourage you to give me a call, 501-470-6386, or email info at radiowhat.com. That's it for this edition of What Makes You Famous. It's Keys Dan, radiowhat.com, djlittlerock.com. Peace. I'm out of here. Radio What, the music you want. Hey guys, this is Shelly G with a fast fact. It was at a concert in Minneapolis in 1954 that Al DeVorn first closed Elvis's concerts with Ladies and Gentlemen, Elvis has left the building. Thank you and good night. Do you have a fast fact? Share it with us at Interactive Radio, RadioWhat.com. If you like what you hear, follow What Makes You Famous social media. Use the hashtag What Makes You Famous. Follow on Facebook at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Instagram at What Makes You Famous. Follow on Twitter at Makes Famous. And follow on YouTube at Keys Dan. Leave What Makes You Famous podcast a review and subscribe. Listen to What Makes You Famous podcast on Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, and almost anywhere you find podcasts. Tell your story on my podcast, What Makes You Famous. Call 501-470-6386 and leave a message to set up a time. You can support What Makes You Famous using the PayPal link, paypal.me forward slash keys dan email info at radio what.com what makes you famous podcast is a production of keys dan enterprises incorporated at keys dan.com thank you for listening hey keys dan what you doing my line i'm playing the best music by request 24 hours a day click on the request tab at the top of radio what.com radio what dot com